Welcome to Long Distance Listening, a music podcast. Hello and welcome to Long Distance Listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Nate. Welcome to our end of year lists episode. Uh, we do this every year that this episode we focus on some of our favorite music uh, to have come out this year, whether it's in the form of music videos, album artwork, or songs, um, EPs, what have you. We like to just kind of start wrapping up the year and just give some finality to what specifically 2022's uh, year of music has looked like. So this episode, we will touch on uh, 12 different categories, a bunch of different categories and our favorites in those categories. But what we will not touch on this episode is our top 10 albums, because that is next episode. So um, this is genuinely, we're recording both of these back to back, but they will be released later. But these episodes, I think I can say pretty emphatically, probably my favorite episodes that we do every year um nate do you agree yeah i mean my my favorites are the ones that we have a guest on because that just means less talking for you um (laughs) but we haven't had any guests this year so i guess i'll go with this one that's true and we do thank you uh for listening this year we have taken a slightly different approach with the podcast uh there have been years that we maybe have not had any episodes without guests or uh next to none that it's mostly been guests and this year we decided we really just wanted to have more episodes and the amount of work and time it takes to get guests and, and find good questions and have good dialogue um, made it so we weren't doing near as many episodes. So um, that's just a quick explanation. I don't know if we've ever really given. Um, but yeah, we did a little bit of a different thing this past year on the podcast. And, and we could talk about that for a second if we want to, since we're kind of wrapping up the year. But I think the main thing that I would say, and I'll give time for you, Nate, if you want to add anything, uh, is if you've stuck with us through the year, thank you. Your support means a lot to us. And, uh, and we would love your feedback on what do you like about the podcast? What do you listen to the podcast because of? Uh, we would love if 2023 we can lean into that a little bit more. Whatever you guys are enjoying, we really want to um, continue to do. So, Nate, did you have any thoughts, uh, anything you wanted to say? Uh, yeah, just to, like, categorize the episode further, I think it's, like, our own version of the Grammys. Yes. This is kind of, like... The not as important categories, though very interesting and very important. And then for the our daytime. top ten. Yeah, this is a daytime. And yeah. then for the for the top ten albums, we're actually gonna have different superlatives for those as well. And yeah. so it's gonna feel like an, more like two different award shows where we're yep. each giving our own individual thoughts because yep. um there's no way we could agree on uh anything. Yeah. Uh, and that, but I mean that's me being sarcastic. I'm actually one of my favorite parts about these episodes are the curiosity on yeah. where we will agree and where yes. will we be different. And so that's always like really fun to see. Yes, yes. I think in general, um, I always come into these episodes going like feeling stronger one way or the other. Like, man, I really feel like this year 
Nate and I have mostly listened to the same music or man, I feel like we haven't listened to like outside of the podcast. Um, we haven't listened to much of the same music. And I would say, at least for me, that's what this year felt like that second one where I feel like, and this is just, again, we have no clue, but I feel like our top tens are going to be vastly different. And I think we'll start to probably get a feel for how similar or how different, uh, our year of music is looking at our favorites here um, this episode. So uh, stick around for this episode and then um, make sure you come back in a few days when we release our top 10 albums. All right. Uh, anything else we should say? I really want to jump into this. Yeah, let's go. All right. So I'm going to have Nate start, but our first category uh, is our favorite cover of the year. So, and this is not, sorry, album artwork. This is favorite cover song. More specifically. So, Nate, what is your favorite cover song? Yeah, so I hate covers for the most part. Yeah. Um, but there's a few here and there where an artist is able to take a great song and then make it their own while still, like, honoring and respecting the song mm-hmm. for what it is. And um, one artist this year, we actually did an episode on um, Daywave. Mm-hmm. He released a deluxe edition of Past Life. And on that deluxe is a cover of the song Linger by the Cranberries. Nice. And Linger is one of my favorite mm-hmm. songs of all time. Like yep. if I'm walking into like a CVS or the mall or just a s- supermarket and linger goes on like yeah. i'm having the, the time of my life it's just yeah. like that like radio you're out shopping hit that just slaps every time and so i was curious because Daywave is so minimal and the mm-hmm. song is already um pretty simple yeah. but he just brought this his own version of tenderness to it and I thought he hit it out of the park, so yeah. love to see it. It is a great cover. I literally just found out about this. Um, I somehow miss that deluxe, so just listened to it for the first time day or two ago here. And um, honestly, like, uh, it's not like some some bands take the approach of like it has to be vastly different. Like you can almost not tell it's linger. It's very much linger, but somehow it fits his style so well that I feel like if there was a chance someone didn't know the original, they would just assume it's oh, yeah. wave. Like it fits so well. And some bands reach for the song that's like not theirs at all and totally make it become theirs. But that mm. song already probably not the biggest reach um, in style for him, but his execution of that song I think is brilliant. So. Yeah, wonderful track. So, Andrew, what what's your favorite cover of the year? Yeah, so my favorite cover of the year, and this is tricky. Um, there's a few out there, but I would say it was a weak year for covers for me. Now, if I had known maybe sooner about Daywaves, maybe that could have been in there. What I try to avoid is there's this band, Our Last Night, who does rock covers <laughs> um, of, of pop songs. And I really try to avoid, because they're putting out most of the covers that I listen to. Um, and they have one or two good ones this year, but none of them stood out. I think last year I had uh, Astronaut in the Ocean, which is my favorite mm-hmm. cover that they've done. Um, uh, I thought that was a great cover and kind of 
made sense here. But this year I was like, okay, there's got to be something, something else. So I was listening to different covers from through the year, and I was reminded that the band Era, they're a metal band, um, and they covered Stockholm Syndrome by Muse, um, which is maybe still my favorite Muse song ever. Um, It's a great song. I don't actually know what year Absolution came out that had that track on it, but uh, it's been around for a long time now, and... I feel like Muse doesn't get covered very often, which is fair because they write some really weird stuff. But it's kind of cool that like this 2022 album does a more metal version of an old already rock Muse song. Uh, some of my favorite moments from that, the cleans on it are great. Um, the Obviously, there's some screams in there as well. Not a ton, but enough that... It's a metal cover, uh, but probably my favorite instrumental part is in the chorus. There's a synth part in the Muse version. It's just kind of this arpeggiated synth part that they just make it an electric guitar part, and it is so cool um, when it switches from a synth part to an electric guitar part. So that part kind of blows my mind every time I listen. But uh, yeah, it's a solid cover. Era did a great job, and commend them on uh on doing a muse song so so andrew is a really big muse. well i don't want to say yeah. a huge, i'm not trying to oversell it but you're a big no, muse I, fan I'm, yes. yes and i uh have listened to a handful of muse songs mm-hmm. and probably once and so i listened to this song the, mm-hmm. this muse song and i think it's just like a really Good, and I'm, I'm, I'm. This is almost coming across disrespectfully. I'm yeah. saying it with like a lot of respect. <laughs> it's just a good, yes. solid track. Yep. Like, it's very strong, and it's funny, Andrew. I feel like I can say the same exact thing, even though it's totally different about mm-hmm. Era's cover as you said about Daywaves. Yeah, where it's like stylistically, it wasn't the biggest no. shift ever. Nope, and yet. They still really made it their own, yep. and I I liked the passion that they brought to it, and yeah. you you can tell they had a lot of respect for Muse with yes. the way they did it, and so I think it was a really cool cover. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's move to our second category. Our second category is your favorite holiday song. So this could be Christmas. It could be Thanksgiving if you found a Thanksgiving song. Um, Just any holiday song. So, uh, Nate, what is your favorite holiday song? Yeah, so I I went back and forth with this one. I was deciding between a lot of different renditions. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what? Like, there's a lot of good renditions out there. But I want to do an original. And so... I found um, there's this band Castlebeat. They're a David Dean Burkhart band, mm-hmm. and they have this song called "Wish." They released recently, yeah. and you know, it's not going to blow you out of the water. Probably, it's not going to be this instant classic. Yeah, but to write a holiday song is so hard. Yeah, and, and have it not be cheesy or yep. not be grating on the ears or yep. not be feel half-hearted or hokey. And I just think they did a really good job just making yep. a really solid, cute little track. And yep. so I really enjoyed it. Yep. Good. Good. Well, I will say my favorite holiday song. 
Um, my favorite holiday song. It, uh, actually, I'm just jumping in because I didn't have much to add. Sorry, I, I should have added more. But um, but it's yeah, okay. it is a really good song. I agree. Um, and it is really hard to write a, a good Christmas holiday song. Um, and not just a cover that's unique or anything. So, uh, all right. Jumping back in, sorry, I'm I'm a little scatterbrained. Uh, well, your 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 song is neither a, or not a cover either, I believe. Correct? No, at nope. least I've never so, heard it before. <laughs> I know, I know, it would be quite the cover. So it is the song "Dark Cold Night" uh, by Wolves at the Gate. They put out a Christmas EP called "Lowborn EP." Um, to be fair, I don't go out of my way to find Christmas music. I like Christmas music, um, and if artists that I really like, such as like Manchester Orchestra or someone, comes out with Christmas stuff, I will obviously stumble on it very easily and listen to it. But I don't actually go out of my way to find new Christmas stuff or um, or holiday stuff. So um, I saw Wolves at the Gate put out the CP, listened to it. Um, there's going to be uh, some... Tr- some truth here that I'll just give you the full picture. So my favorite song from that album is actually the song Lowborn. I think Lowborn's the better Christmas song, the better written, more complex and like more just straight up like Christmas story, Christmas song. Um, Dark Cold Night is definitely more metal, um, more kind of angsty Christmas. I don't know if that makes sense. The reason I didn't pick Lowborn is they released it as a single in 2021. So, Ooh. so couldn't do that. Um, uh, so if you're like, hey, what's actually Andrew's favorite? It'd probably be Lowborn. But Dark Cold Night is really awesome. Um, it's super heavy. It's pretty simplistic in the sense of like lyrically. There's not like a ton happening. Um, I do like the verse. There's kind of this... Uh, slightly more spoken word metal um, part. And then I like how it goes into the singing. My favorite part of Wolves uh, at the Gate as a band is their clean vocalist is really strong. So um, I think it's a solid song. Nate, what do you think of that song? So what I, I'm not going to talk about the song. Yeah, that's fair. I want to, I want to talk about just to make the most of my time, something that I've noticed. Yeah. And I think it's cool. Really cool. Really great. I love Andrew how even though your music taste has like evolved and grown, you still are back in 2010. You know what I mean? Like you're able to be in in both sides yep. like yep. and and hold both. I think I have a lot harder time doing that. Yeah. And part of it is probably like just my taste developing, but another yep. part of it, I think it's like fear of judgment yeah because it's like met like the stuff we uh which obviously this metal the metal stuff we used to listen to it felt cool then and it feels less cool now yes and i just love your authenticity of just like being like you know what i love i love these metal artists still um and if i I just think it's Oh yeah, you yeah. Build build off that or, sh- well, or respond. I was gonna say, so I've said this to you, but I don't know that I've said it on the podcast. So I think 2020 and and even some parts of 2021, a lot of people 
that I know were listening to a lot of nostalgic music because everything in the world was kind of crazy and it was like their way of centering themselves. But at that time, the podcast was in full swing. We had some really great interviews. We were listening to all this indie stuff. Artists didn't have anything to do. Yeah, artists had so nothing to like, do. So they're like, fine, we'll talk yeah, to you. Yeah, exactly. So we had, uh, <laughs> yeah, we were just super busy with that. And I felt like I was really listening to just indie music over the time. Everyone else is listening to nostalgic stuff, and I wasn't. Over this past year... I've 100% gone full swing into nostalgia, um, rediscovering bands maybe like Wolves at the Gate um, or bands that's like, oh, yeah, I would have listened to this band way back in the day. What are they up to now? Um, so my friends are, are in a metal either again or they never stopped. And so uh, they're like, hey, check out these bands. And I have people actually pointing me towards different metal stuff. So um so it is funny. I mean, my first two choices between an era song and a Wolves at the Gate song should show that I've definitely been wearing two hats this year. It's a mixture of indie stuff, which I love and very much like am in the mood for. But then certain times that I'm just like, like I felt like when I was mowing the lawn, it wasn't an indie music time. It was a metal uh, music. So it's just like, mm. I don't know, certain parts of my year feel very dedicated to nostalgia um yeah it's different so love to hear it yeah all right we'll see if i can't keep bringing some metal uh back there actually is some metal uh for sure between this and and possibly even top 10 we'll see all right um so our uh next category is our favorite music video so nate what is your favorite music video yeah so speaking of nostalgia this is a new tooth and nail band and to the nails, a nostalgic record, record label for yeah. Andrew and I. Solid State being the metal uh, side of, of that label. Um, so I went with Heal My Head by Valley Heart. Yeah. I think it's funny. Valley Heart actually released two of my favorite videos this year yeah. with your favorite jacket and then yeah. uh, Heal My Head. I always I I've accidentally called your favorite jacket your morning jacket like multiple times. Yeah. So I'm glad it, I, I'm glad I didn't mess same, that so, up. So yeah, I'm glad you said it. <laughs> um, but what I love about the heal my head video is it does a great job of embodying the lyrics in mm-hmm. a more like artistic and. Um, I don't want to say production, but like editing yep. uh, standpoint, like the the editing tactics that were used, yep. like really help display that like mental makeup behind that song. Yep. And uh, I just think it was a video that felt both like lo-fi and high tech. Yep. Like it was full of all these paradoxes and, and very well balanced in that way. And so I just think, not only that, but then the song itself is so good that every like it was the perfect mesh of everything coming together. Yep. Um, doing the video, I believe, I feel like I want to give credit to the people who made it. Mark Bloodworth, as well as joined by Lunchbox Films. And so, hey, if you're looking to have a music video done, they've done it before, yep. clearly. And they do a dang good job. So yep. reach out to them for sure. Yep. Yeah. It's a great music video. I don't 
I'm realizing over the last two years that I, by the time we're at end of the year, I'm like, I've probably seen like 20 music videos. I know. I need to start making a list and like being more intentional. Yes. I don't actually like watch a ton of music videos. Like it's like one or two a month, um, somewhere in that range, maybe two. Um, but either way, I don't feel like I watch near enough music videos. Um, but I do watch Valley Hearts consistently because I always find them to be either super fun, super weird, or just super beautiful. Um, one of those three. And I think you probably could have picked, and I could have picked, any Valley Heart music video from this year. And there wouldn't be an argument against it. Um, but I do think that, that Heal My Head is my favorite of their music videos from this year. Um, and I agree with everything you said. I don't have anything more to add, but um, I don't know. They're very intentional about their music videos, which it's oh, yeah. easy to know how intentional they are. I think even from you, because you'll hear Kevin talk about what they're doing. And we mm-hmm. don't always have that perspective from other bands. But um, but yeah, I, I just always suggest to good valley heart music video um, yeah so what about you andrew what's your favorite music yeah. video of the year this was really hard and i went actually with the one i definitely have seen the most and it was just like unique to me how it all came about so um it's harry styles music video for daylight but what's weird about it and if you're not familiar enough it's a music video that he did um directed by james corden the late night talk show host guy comedy dude um what they did is they had 300 bucks and they decided to go make a music video in like a few hours and they went scouted new york city found a apartment that the people were like oh yeah you can film it here and it was just like a really fun journey there's like a 15 minute video of like how they made the music video and I think it turned out both great and super funny. So what happened first is um, Amy, my wife, showed me the music video. And it felt very like Harry Styles. Like just kind of like all the like grainy, nostalgic, I don't know, um, Harry in different outfits looking like he's pulling off stuff that no one else should be able to pull off. That that type of <laughs> literally. Thing. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, but, <laughs> um, but, uh, but you kind of watch and you're like, yeah, that's a great music video. And then, um, and then she's like, yeah, so that's like, she kind of explained it. Then we watched the behind the scenes of it and then rewatched the music video. And, uh, I don't know. It's just like, it's really funny. I think it's also unique that you can do. Harry Styles, who's this huge musician, obviously, who could put millions of dollars into a music video easy, um, to be able to shoot something that professional for three hundred bucks. Now, to be fair, three hundred bucks doesn't count James Corden's like whatever ABC or whatever TV show. Like they have the cameras, like you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Stuff. So it's not actually counting the full scope, but it is like, hey, like. 300 bucks of materials whether it's shirts or or um lights or what have you um yeah i don't know it just felt like kind of this diy music video that was really cool and uh yeah i don't know i just enjoyed it yeah so i did watch the video i haven't watched the behind the scenes 
Um, I felt the same way as you where I'm like the 300 bucks is both like cool and like totally inauthentic where it's like if you and me wanted to make a music video and we were walking around New York City and asking people to use their apartment, we would get no's for all day consistently and it would be awful and we would end up needing to pay somebody (laughs) like Harry Styles. Like, who's going to say no to that? Yeah. So, like, there's all these, like, little nuances. But you're right. The general principle is yeah. still cool that to make an effective music video, uh, you don't... To make any... Actually, I think this is a much broader point. To make any effective art, it doesn't have to be expensive. Yep. And I think what helps pull off the music videos so well is the song itself is just really good and, a st- like... A sonically fits that aesthetic that yes. kind of casual aesthetic yep. and then secondly i mean harry is a legitimate actor yeah, yeah. like i i know that's sounds like kind of stupid but it's like he acts in like actual kind of films and yes. so he can probably make a music video seem a lot more professional just by his performances within them that's a good and point. so I think he's like the perfect artist to do something yes. like that with. Yep. Um, but yeah, I thought it was like really solid. Yeah. And I really enjoyed it. Yeah. All right. Moving forward. Uh, so, Nate, what is your favorite live performance from this year? Yeah. So I know I brought up your nostalgic metal mm-hmm. and here I am with my one yep. <laughs> piece, of, piece of it as well. I'm going with Underos. um a live edition of pneumonia yeah it's a part of their digital ghost series um which they have up on youtube and these performances i believe each song they recorded about twice and then they just took different shots from the different recordings and then they mixed it and the pneumonia one is just so cool i think yeah. it's extremely well shot the their performance is really, really well done. Yes. I think it's their best performance on Digital Ghost, yeah. the um, all their live tracks. Yeah. And then I love how, because the track is so long, yep. you can really sit with it and it feels a bit more like you're diving deeper and deeper into the atmosphere, yes. into the song, into the textures that they provide. And so... Yep. I just think it was like the perfect culmination of everything they wanted Digital Ghost to be yes. um, for me. And yep. so, yeah, I I could say Digital Ghost as a whole, but sure. I wanted to pick one track for somebody yeah. to kind of latch on to. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you for doing that. I think you probably picked the right one. So before I share mine, when Nate was like, hey, we should do favorite live performance. Um, I was like, man, I've been to like one show this year and it was my buddy's <laughs> well band. there you go so uh, <laughs> that's your pick it, it could have been my pick and it would have to be if we're talking truly seeing it live but then it was like i mean just something that like was performed live uh, virtually even works and i was like okay the first thing that came to mind was digital ghosts by under oath and then a day or two later when i'm making my list guess what was the last thing to come into my mind this whole series <laughs> did you, <it> was my <laughs> under, so i genuinely didn't think about it at all and i feel really bad for not picking one because i probably would if i 
again had thought back um the trickiest thing for me would have actually been picking one because i enjoyed all of them significantly there was none that i was like oh that's bad and because the album's really good i felt like each one like each song was just excellent but um but yeah it's uh i agree pneumonia's great and uh i'll echo that performance specifically all right, Andrew, are you going to have another, are you going to copy me copying you and uh, give a, another metal performance? Kind of. <laughs> so <laughs> What? So um, my favorite live performance from this year is Ed Sheeran's performance of Bad Habits at the Brit Awards, which featured Bring Me the Horizon. So... Mm. Uh, I said it that way so everyone will be really confused why I said kind of. Um, <laughs> I waited till the very end to say featuring Bring Me the Horizon. But um, it's basically Bring Me the Horizon's band playing Bad Habits, Ed Sheeran's song, um, where Ed Sheeran just joining that band. Um, they change up. They kind of go back and forth vocal-wise, but you do get some screams. Um in there not from Ed Sheeran but as part of it and kind of more background a little bit but um either way it first of all was kind of just awesome to see Ed Sheeran with an electric guitar he's very known for being an acoustic guitarist but it was cool to see him with his electric guitar it's also so cool to see him with a band that's so opposite like I have no clue how that was even pictured as an idea um and it's two vastly different styles coming together um especially if you've like seen ed sheeran live it's like him with a looper pedal and his acoustic guitar it's like as like quiet and kind of chill as possible and then bring me the horizon it's a metal band so obviously not quiet or chill and actually if you watch any bring me the horizon like concert stuff they always have like dancers and crazy pyrotechnics and just like they go really big so all that being said the mesh uh of artists um and i'm gonna talk more just musically if you actually watch the performance there's a bunch of dancers and crazy gymnastic type stuff happening but um that to me was just there and it was cool but like um that's not what was as cool for me it was them meshing those styles and Nate kind of said metal is not as cool as it once was, but it does feel like that performance actually meant something in the sense of like, I think metal is reemerging. Um, and I think generally like I know some high schoolers that are, that are into metal and that's weird because there was a long time that high schoolers wouldn't listen to metal, but I felt like that performance was kind of, a big deal in the sense of like this metal reemergence is like, hey, we can actually have metal on the main stage of the Brit Awards, even if it's not that loud or that metal. Um, it was yeah. something, and uh, and I thought the overall sound um, is awesome. With it, that song works really well to have some of the parts that are usually not this like big concert synth to sound like this bring me the horizon synth parts um so i thought the song worked really well um with bring me the horizon but i thought even just what it meant 
was pretty big and pretty substantial. So, yeah, what do you think? Yeah, I, th- I, I think Bring Me the Horizon is trying to be that uh, advocate. Yes. You know, trying to be that band that crosses that divide. Yes. Um, and they're doing it in a way where I think they're actually doing a decent job of pleasing both sides. Like, yes. For the most part, like metal listeners are like, ah, oh, cool. And I'm, I'm less even talking about joining Ed Sheeran or joining um, like Seagra or whatever. There's another uh, pop artist they join. Like, yeah. um, but I forget her name. Man, that's going to bother me. Yeah. But uh, even with their own music, it's like a really good combination of heavy and pop yep. um, stuff that doesn't feel uh like uh water and oil you know what i mean yeah. they, they merge well yes I, I i thought you were gonna say ed sheeran performing live is a bad habit <laughs> but i i got what you're saying i will say um ed sheeran live is actually really great like very enjoyable experience for me at least so um so whether you like them or not i feel like there's something there live that should be at least respected neat i'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> all right um let's move to our next um our next category and that is uh, i can't actually use the word favorite here it's actually our most disappointing album of 2022 so neat what album just disappointed you maybe it was high expectations Maybe it was low expectations and it just sucked. Uh, what was your most disappointing album? Yeah, so this is actually a really interesting one for me. Um, the album is uh, by Whitney, the yep. band Whitney, and uh, it's called Spark. And I, uh, Forever Turned Around, I believe it was released in 2019, and it's one of my favorite albums from that year. I'd say like... It's probably in my top like 15 albums of that decade, yeah. the 2010s, and just absolutely love it. It's a very simple album. It's very straightforward, but it's it's really beautiful, and I think they do a great job with the songwriting. Yeah. We went to see them live, took my wife and I, like post like when it was like finally acceptable to like see bands yeah. and go to shows. And they played a decent amount of songs on this album. And it was weird. It was, Mm. they were interesting. They're very different. But I actually overall enjoyed them. And it's interesting. The power, the boom that I feel like they had live, they kind of lost in the Mm. recordings. I think they're a more soft, I don't want to say soft band, but like uh, I would not say they are a powerful group yes. in terms of like their sound. And so I think they could have used a little bit more outside voices probably on the yeah. production end, like yeah. work with somebody who would like really stretch them yeah. to make things hit a little bit harder. Yeah. But and then some of the songwriting choices I wasn't a huge fan of. Yeah. So. When it's, I do appreciate though they took a risk. Yeah. At least it's an album where, even though I was disappointed, the band like didn't do the popular thing, didn't do yes. the safe thing. Yes. Um, it just happened to not go well, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, and I'll I'll agree with that. I I was listening to the album and I was kind of like 
It's not a bad album. But no. there's nothing here that I'm like, ooh, build on that. Like, it kind of is like, feels like there needs some more flushed out ideas. Or to go back to what they were doing, which I hate, like, again, I think we are advocates for bands are allowed to change. Um, but occasionally bands do change, and, and it just at least doesn't hit as hard for fans or maybe just for each of us individually. So, um, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, Andrew, I'm curious. What's what's your uh, most disappointing album? So it's weird because I'm not picking a band that I've like adored, but I'm picking mm. a band that I always liked to just listen to, and I think they put mm-hmm. out a re- like I'm gonna have a hard time actually not being too mean about this. To be fair, <laughs> um, but it is the new Panic at the Disco album. So the album mm. is Viva Los Vengeance. Uh, Which I mean, let I just have to interrupt you. I have not listened to this album. Yeah, the title's bad enough. It's you know what's funny? <laughs> the title's probably my favorite part of the album. Oh no! <laughs> like <laughs> no. it's bad in like a funny, weird way. But I feel like Panic at the Disco is like. That title fits Panic at the Disco enough. So I always like Brennan Urie's like voice. I think he's got a great voice. And they've always backed it up with just like really solid music. Um, this album, they did something weird on it. If you listen, it's actually very consistent. So they have like kind of a feel to this album that they've never had before. Um, but they went the completely wrong direction. They should have stuck either musically with what they were doing or not gone to this like it sounds like um cheesy casino music i have no clue it's just really cheesy like every not every choice they make but almost all the choices they make musically to create this like hey you've never heard this before um it just feels like it was the first idea they had it's like yeah run with this and run with this and it definitely needs flushed out more the most disappointing part of the album for me are Brennan Yuri's vocals are fine. The melodies and cadences are boring. There's nothing there to me that I'm like, ooh, that's catchy. I'm finally, like, in. Um, so, like, listen to this album, like, once. I did listen to it again while just, like, trying to figure out if it's my most disappointing album. And it is. I usually would say most Panic at the Disco albums get a six or a seven. For me, this gets a one or a two. Like, it's just, for me, it's just a really bad showing by a band that I thought was at least consistently good and occasionally great. Um, so, yeah, I was just disappointed by it. I don't think I'll ever go back to it again. Like, it's disappointing. So. All right, moving forward. Um, Nate, what is an album from last year that you discovered this year and have grown to like, maybe? Yeah, so there's only one album, I think, that fit this category for me. And I think it's because I very much, like, invest in the current year. And so I almost listen to no albums from previous years. If they're new, I'll just listen to new albums because I know there's always more new stuff to listen to and I'd rather be up to date than go back. Unless 
that's like a friend recommend something or something like that. I'm just being on my own yeah. uh, searching and stuff. Um, and I don't know how I found it. I have no idea. But it's this really short album. It's only seven tracks. And it's probably, I think it's like 25 minutes. I don't even know how to pronounce the band name. I, I would just call them Beard. But yeah. they're spelled, the A and the E are switched. So yeah. it's B-A-E-R-D instead of E-A-R-D. But maybe that's not how you pronounce it. And the album's called Canyon. Mm-hmm. And no joke. If this was released in 2011 or something like that, it could have blown up. I mean, it fits that indie folk vibe so well and i think the production is actually surprisingly wicked good for a small smaller artist like this i think the way they produce this album is so solid Mm -hmm. um they're able to create what i feel like are big atmospheres with these really small folk songs which i think is really hard to do and so i was just really impressed uh by this album and was happy to find it um unfortunately so I always keep like up to date lists of my top tens from every year. Yeah. And cause last year was so dang good. Yeah. It's still not quite good enough for me to make the list. Yeah. Uh, but in an average year, I think it would definitely be on yeah. my list. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't really listen to that album much, so I don't have much to add, but, um, just homework for me. I'll have to listen to it a little bit more. Yeah. So, what about you, Andrew? Yeah, for me, I agree with there really only being one album. Um, so this year, uh, again, with kind of having friends of mine who are really into metal, um, one of the bands that was suggested for me to listen to is this band Eminence, and they had this album Heaven in Hiding that came out last year. Um. It's a really good album. So they're a metal band that the lead singer not only can sing, scream, but he also plays violin. So um, people call it like violin core. Um, But (laughs) there's some like really cool like just violin solos or or like parts that create really beautiful moments. I forget where the band Eminence is from. I know that they are not American. I also know that the lead singer can speak multiple languages and uh, and is very talented that way as well. And so they do some really unique stuff that you wouldn't find maybe a lot of American bands doing. Um, and I think that's a great album. Like, really great album. Especially because I feel like for metal, they're doing some really again unique stuff that's like i don't know that it would be it feels like a newer wave of like hey people will start to follow this this type of metal this way of doing stuff but they've also carved out this niche because of the lead singer being able to play violin and and some of the stuff they do with that so neat have you heard that album at all no, I, th- I mean, I think we're both being honest when we said <laughs> this is really the only one. Yeah. Uh, so I have not discovered that yeah. in this new year yeah. until today. Yeah, well, check it, it out. It has now been discovered. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> All right, so Nate, what was your favorite soundtrack from 2022? Yeah, so I've told Andrew this. 
I uh, caved to a friend, a friend, a small friend group who they have AMC A list, which is like a movie pass you can pay for monthly, a movie subscription. And so I've actually seen the most movies this year than I probably ever have in a year in terms of new movies in the movie theater. And it's been a lot of fun. Um, and I have a lot of thoughts on my favorite movies of this year, but I don't, I'm not on a movie podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, but you know what's ironic? Hmm. My soundtrack of the year is from a movie last year. Ooh. But the soundtrack was released this year. Ooh, you lucked out. <laughs> so, so I went by release date yeah. of the album because that's technically yeah. what we're looking at. I didn't bluff on that because I do know the movie. I haven't seen the movie, to be fair. And it's the tragedy of Macbeth. Um if you have Apple Plus, I believe it's on Apple Plus. Okay. Um, but it's this really uh, incredible movie. I mean, a, a tale as old as time. But the cinematography, the co- the black and white, um, the set design is just so good. But what I love about the soundtrack is it's so well put together. There's only like 13 songs. Mm-hmm. And within the songs, they include some of the main monologues. Mm. And so it feels much more of a connected experience. Like you're really moving through something, progressing through these more strong and fleshed out ideas where I think a lot of soundtracks, which is fine, um, are like these short clips like minute and a half yes. minute yes maybe two minutes and then you'll have one or two songs or maybe three or four that are three to four minutes but yep. i like how this feels more like an album than yeah. a soundtrack if that makes sense yeah that does make sense um i have not seen the movie the little i've heard of this soundtrack um made me want to watch the movie so that's a that's a very, I guess, high praise because usually a soundtrack wouldn't make you just out of nowhere go like, oh, I have to watch that movie. Um, I also want to see the movie because Denzel, but, you know. That's yeah, just- of course. <laughs> and that, it has a stacked cast, yeah, not just does. Denzel. It There's does. tons of great yeah. people yeah. in that. The reason I even mentioned Denzel, he's probably top two favorite actors for me. So, yeah. Him and... Uh, uh, oh, I'm trying to think of somebody funny I couldn't <laughs> well uh, we can talk about who the number one would be next uh, or off air alright uh, for me <laughs> I th- I th- my favorite soundtrack th- Nate knew probably and called it um, I was really torn uh, I'm gonna actually do some like honorable mentions here just cause I feel like um, the Andor and Rings of Power soundtracks are really good and super strong soundtracks. Um, but it's weird. When I think soundtrack, I don't think TV show. Um, so it's just a change in my mind. But my favorite movie soundtrack, and it didn't have to be movie soundtrack, but I ended up still picking it, um, is the movie The Batman and the soundtrack from that movie uh, by Michael Giacchino. Um, Giacchino, Giacchino, I don't know what it is. But... Um, it's an excellent soundtrack. In in my opinion, I really, really like that movie. And similarly to some of my favorite 
soundtracks. I think if you remove that soundtrack, the movie does not hit near as hard for me. Um, I like that it's a um, character theme soundtrack. Not every soundtrack gives each character a theme, but um, Batman, the Riddler, Catwoman, they all have their own themes. So when they're on screen, even just listening to the soundtrack, you know when one of those characters has entered um, something because you'll hear maybe a small, their theme playing behind whatever other theme is there. I think it is one of the better superhero soundtracks um, out there. There's so many now. And it's funny because, like, Giacchino did the Spider-Man No Way Home soundtrack from end of last year. And so you'd assume, like, and then the Batman came out, like, a few months later. They're vastly different. Like, don't even sound like the same guy did them. And in my opinion, the Batman is even vastly better um, and just more unique um, where No Way Home, which it's not about that, but um, that's more of your standard superhero soundtrack that does some really cool, fun stuff, but the Batman's just super good. So, what are your thoughts? I know you like the movie, or I think I know you like the movie. Uh, What are your (laughs) thoughts on the soundtrack? Yeah, so before I forget, I forgot to say that the composer for mine it's oh, carter yeah, burwell yeah. who's he's also done uh the banshees i mean in a sheeran yeah. uh which is that. a it's wicked good yeah i i think you'd like it I think um I really funny and thoughtful and intense yeah. um so yeah so with the batman um what's funny when i think of the batman soundtrack i actually think of uh, one of the sing or not singles, but one of the like artist songs that's not from Michael, and it's uh, Nirvana's "Something in the Way." Yeah, that's fair, uh, dude. When that song came in, yeah. it honestly it's like one of the best like songs put in a movie, like song movie combinations I like agree. I've ever seen. Like the way that hit. And I and I didn't know the song before then, which yeah. I know I shouldn't have a music be on a music <laughs> podcast and not know yeah. a lot of Nirvana's stuff besides "Smells Like Teen Spirit." Yeah. But like the song just had this magic about it, combined with yep. the driving. It was just so perfect. Yep. But what I think, um, if I had to guess, what I my thoughts based on what you said and how I experienced the movie, "No Way Home." The reason why the soundtrack was probably pretty standard is because that movie's pretty standard. <laughs> and I don't I don't mean that in an offensive way. I sure. think people loved it because there's a lot of like Nostalgia. cool cameos. Yep. You know? I mean the whole thing was just one giant cameo. Yeah. But let's be honest. Like the Batman, um I mean it's just it's just a different breed. Yeah, um it is. when we're talking about the the movies in general. And I my guess is the like the Batman the movie and the Batman the soundtrack mutually benefited one another. Yes, if I had to guess, yep. um, and so it feels inspired in just a different way, yep. in a darker and more uh, just intense and uh, impactful way. Yeah. So, so all right, 
I am loving this. I am looking at the time. We will uh, we'll try to speed it up here a little bit, just just so it's not the longest podcast we've ever done, um, which would actually take a lot of time for that to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got time uh, to kill, dude. Yeah, it's true. That's true. So uh, let's talk about our favorite album artwork. Nate, what is your favorite album artwork from this year? Yeah, so I have uh, Tyson Motzenbacher's Milk Teeth. Yep. I think... The second I saw the album artwork, uh-huh. it was like, dang, yep. so good. And I think it's one of those covers that could be viewed as, I don't want to say generic because it's not generic, but yeah. an aesthetic like without substance. Yeah. But when you know the album, there's a lot of substance yes. behind the, the artwork. And so it just matches up perfectly. I yep. love the... Um, the left side, the mm-hmm. font and the yep. the colors and how it's totally contrasts the, the picture itself. Yep. Um, but just, I mean, this was one, I mean, it wasn't necessarily an easy decision in the sense that like there's a ton of other great covers this year. Sure. But of all my picks, it's one of the ones I'm most confident in, yeah. like really backing it up. Yeah. Um, let me just mention. I had this narrowed down to three, um, this category. Then I narrowed it down to two. And then I removed Tyson Matzenbacher. <laughs> so what's Brutal. crazy is like, because I feel like the term art is subjective. Um, album artwork, we very rarely would pick the same album artwork. Um, for a year I feel like just yeah. like it's like flip there's so many coin, options like there's just yeah um, but um, we were really close to picking that and yeah. I'll, I'll share what mine is here in a second but um, it's funny because the one thing that you said as far as like it being viewed as like possibly more standard or or what have you the only reason I went with Mine is I felt like I hadn't quite seen an album artwork quite like this, and it was just a really d- different take for um, album artwork than I'm used to. So I went with what I felt like was the weirder, more unique one, um, but they're both so good. So, um, yeah, I'll just mention what what my top album artwork for this year was, and it's the album Space Island by Broods. So check that out it's i don't actually know if it's the lead singer or someone in this glass coffin in the like i have no clue if they took the picture we already talked about this album artwork on the episode we did about broods and i'm still so confused by how this album artwork exists um like if it's just like a cgi thing if they actually went to the work of shooting that as is and it's just an incredibly taking photo maybe with some small touch-ups i have no clue but i think it's so cool i think it's just like if i was scanning music at the store i also would see tyson Matzenbacher's and be like oh i want this but like if i was scanning i would definitely pause um based on this album artwork so um what are your thoughts nate yeah my one quick comment is obviously good i guess two quick comments obviously good album artwork i think it's interesting how the album artworks we chose and that you narrowed down to your final two the uh similarities thematically 
in terms mm-hmm. of this like other worldly yeah. or like this unknown yes like this i don't know i feel this transport transportive is that a word transportational sure. <laughs> transportational yeah. like i don't know ghosts and aliens yep i don't know i just feel like there's this connection thematically yep yep, yep. Uh, Day Waves Past Life was my number three, in case anyone was wondering. Mm. I think that's a really nice. cool album artwork, too. Uh, I want to give a complaint, though. Yeah. The the deluxe edition has the same exact artwork. I think uh, there was yeah. potential for him to do something different. Uh, I, the first cover's so good, but I don't yeah. like reusing. Yeah, that's fair. That is very fair. All right. All right. Uh, yeah, you want to... Final so, two categories. Um these are the big these are the big dogs. These of of this oh wait, not final. I'm sorry. My order's more. <laughs> my my order's different yeah. than yours. Okay. So I I have sorry. album artwork. No, it's, it's no no problem. You I just like looked at album down. artwork and then yeah, it's further down. So I'm like, well, okay, we're <laughs> I apologize. I might have changed up uh order a bit oh. here, but since I'm asking you to go first, I'll just keep telling you which category's next. So we have four <laughs> more. Um and uh not <laughs> quite to the two biggest ones yet but uh what is your favorite instrumental album from this year yeah so i discovered this album on apple music's mm. uh just like i don't even know what it's called but their discover section it's just like when you click on the search or no you click on listen now i think yeah i don't know i don't even know how you find it i think you click on the search bar yeah. and under classical there's I frequently check classical as well as tons of other different genres. Mm-hmm. But this album um, really caught my attention. It's called The Whole World Laid Out Before Me by mm-hmm. Peter Alexander. Mm-hmm. And Peter spelled P-E-T-R and Alexander A-L-E-K-S-A-N-D-E-R. Mm-hmm. I like couldn't say K. I wanted to say X because yeah. that's how I spell Alexander. Sure. Um, but it's just a really well done instrumental album it's i think the reason why i like having this category is instrumental albums are often too um rarely will they make our top 10 yeah there will be this a time and a place like maybe a caspian record or maybe um somebody else but this album just like really spoke to me and was really moving and i really enjoyed it yeah yeah um i need to listen to it more Uh, i don't listen to a lot of instrumental albums to be fair so this choice was pretty easy for me because it's one of the only instrumental albums i listened to this year but it's the album thoughts slash daydreams by joe van uh joe van's just obviously um this is joey venucci also from from indian lakes but basically anything he does is really good um if not great. So um, I think this is a solid album. I use it as a wake up uh, like music in the morning. Um, it works really well. So um, yeah, it's a good album. Um, I don't want to take any more time than that. All right, let's move on. So our 10th category is our comeback album from this year. So um, just the idea with the comeback is maybe for consistently they weren't doing good and then they finally 
came back and sounded like they used to or um or maybe it's just one bad album and it's like okay they're back now um but nate what is your favorite comeback album from 2022 so i'm tired of doing what you asked me to andrew so i'm not going to because my favorite <laughs> comeback album of the year is actually in my top 10. Okay. And so I'm holding that category ah. sacred. And so instead, I will share my second favorite okay. comeback That's album. That's fair. <laughs> and so it's Everything Everything's Raw Data Feel, mm-hmm. Get to Heaven by Everything Everything. Um, you know, you have those records that like open you up to a whole new. Yep. style genre and this is like this really interesting brit pop that's like just crazy yep. and weird and their two albums after get to heaven really fell flat for me yeah and look this new album raw data feel doesn't come close to get to heaven yeah but it's a step in the right direction. It's really solid, yeah. and I enjoy listening to it. Yeah. And so I, I just thought it was like a really refreshing, and it gives me hope that they can release yep. something similar again. Yep. And there is a two-album gap, yeah. which I think is huge because, um, I don't know, I, I almost understand a comeback better after one bad, or not bad record, but a record I wouldn't like. Yep. And so yep. that was impressive. Yep. What about you, Andrew? Um, I was down to two albums. And I don't want to give anything away because I have no clue if this is the album that's in your top ten. But, Nate, the one you initially had sent me as an option for this one right here was one I just removed as well as one of my options uh, for comeback albums. So if you remember what that album was, um, yeah, we were we were tracking similarly. But for me, the pretty obvious choice for myself here in favorite comeback album it did not make my top 10 um so i'll say it here um is remade in mystery by memphis mayfire um memphis mayfire put out a bad album in broken (laughs) um and like it's bad and i try to listen to it again being like maybe it's not as bad as i thought but it is uninspired boring and there are very few moments that i go oh this is this is a good good choice or a good idea here the whole album was very much maddie mullins and this is my me projecting what i assumed happened uh maddie mullins going uh it's not cool to scream anymore so i'm not gonna scream i'm just gonna sing so he really doesn't scream and then the band going well if he's not screaming let's just do rock instead of metal because metal is not going to be as cool we'll just do rock the problem is that memphis may fire even though they weren't like on top of the world when they made this choice and were already trending down um they still had a style they still had a sound and when they decided to become a rock band they lost that sound entirely and they just sounded like generic skillet to me like it really was not yeah. And, like, I'm not saying skillet even in, like, the nicest sense of that. But it was just, like, you just sound like other bands that have been doing this for a long time already. And so I don't care to listen. That being said, they started releasing, and, man, they started releasing singles because, like, they put out singles as early as last summer. But the full album came out this year, and I think it's a great album. 
honestly. Um, it's better than probably their and obviously better than broken because that album's terrible but even then maybe an album or two before broken when i thought they were so good but were missing out a little bit um it's one of their better albums if not their best album uh since challenger which is probably my favorite of their albums so i think it's really good i think there's moments that they're quiet but not for the whole album and and they know what to do and when Maddie screams, it's excellent. And when Maddie sings, it's excellent. Like, they just, it's a much better album. So, that is my comeback album. All right. We're down now, finally, to the two big ones. So, Nate, what <laughs> is your favorite EP of 2022? All right. Uh, so, this was, I almost want to take back what I said about. Um, what was it? Uh, one of my, I felt like it was a really easy decision. Oh, I think it was Tyson Matzenbacher. Uh, it's funny. I was looking far back cause it was a few times. It was a few categories ago, but so I couldn't find it cause it's one category before this on my <laughs> list. But, uh, for me, this is far and away Howdy's, uh, billboard for my feelings it's probably the only EP I've listened to somewhat consistency co- consistently. It has two of my favorite songs of the year, um, tracks three and four. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, Howdy's one of my favorite artists. Yep. And right after releasing one of my favorite albums last year, mm-hmm. they released an EP, which I would say is like of the same quality. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit different stylistically. Like I yeah. think they take a little bit more like... Uh, a little bit more experimental with the production. Yeah. But, but yeah, just easy decision. Yep. What about you, Andrew? Yeah, mine was an easy decision too. Um, just because it's one of my favorite bands that finally came back. I wish it wasn't an EP, as I always do with good music. But Amberlynn put out a um, four song EP. This is bad. I should know. I think it's, I think it's five. Song. Is it five? Um, it felt five. too short, no matter what it was. So we're going to say uh, um, it is five songs. But either way, it's too short. But every song is really good. Um, I think it shows that Amberlynn still has it, that they still know how to write really good songs, really good lyrics. Um, and there's songs like Two Graves that are just like heavier than anything Amberlynn's done, maybe ever, or at least in a long time. Um and it works. It works really well. So I think they they sound great. I really hope that this is just the beginning of of uh, more actual LPs from them. But uh, yeah, it's definitely my favorite EP of this year. All right, the big one. Out of all the songs released this year, Nate, um, <laughs> I didn't count, but there was a lot of them. What is your favorite song of 2022? Yeah, so I went from most confident to least confident, and that says nothing about my selection and everything about... There could have been, like, 30 songs that, like, took this place. Like, I... There's just, like, too many to choose from. I decided to go with a track that was 
my favorite song on an album I didn't love. So like Mm -hmm. in the sense of like, I knew there was no other way of bringing this up where a lot of the other songs are on EP, like for instance, Howdy songs on the EP or Mm -hmm. on LPs that we've talked about, or I'm going to talk about later. And it's a song Emily says by the band Goon. They're a really small indie alternative band. And this is their just most catchy and, beautiful song i just mm-hmm. like love how catchy it is yeah. and one of my fa- they do one of my favorite things in music and it's just a personal thing where bands change up the chorus lyrics yeah every chorus yeah and so they do the chorus three times and each time it's different lyrics and i don't know why but i yeah. love when bands yeah. do that or yep. artists do that yep it what is about you andrew what's your oh sorry no, it's just it's a unique thing to do, and I do love it. Um, but I am a sucker for a normal course, so I don't want everyone to do that. I don't want to like over like what makes oh, it no. cool is that it's unique. But just like the Incredibles, when when everyone's special, no one is. So please don't listen <laughs> oh to gosh. us. What? That's from the Incredibles, man. That's it. Uh, yeah, it's just like I'm more <laughs> saying it as like a like. You sound like Hitler. Do I? Yeah, or, or, or Kanye. Yeah, I'm just trying to quote a freaking <laughs> Pixar movie. <man. laughs> but, um, but no, like, I love it too, and I hope more bands do it, but not too many bands <laughs> do it. Doesn't Disney have somewhat of an anti-Semitic history now that I think about it? You know, why are we getting into this? Yeah, maybe a little bit, actually. They have some history in general, even beyond that that's not great but yeah. uh, right. anyways um what a way to end oh yeah your your answer right. for the so my for answer the... for favorite song <laughs> so weird to go after um so my favorite song actually showed up on today's list but it was nate's favorite music video my favorite song of the year is heal my head by valley heart um it is so hard to pick a favorite song it's basically an impossible task but when I think of songs that just feel like, I don't know, maybe I like to pick anthems where I can or just something that's like, man, like I will listen to the song all the time. And I just feel like it kind of, I don't know, defines a year for me as best as possible. That's Heal My Head by Valley Hard. Not only do I think it's probably the best song on that album. But the ending bridge and chorus um, is just, I don't know, it, it's its an anthem. It feels like it's this big, I don't know, just exclamation point on 2022, a year of music uh, for me. And um, yeah, it, it to me was by far the best song that I thought of. So um, that's why it's here. <laughs> And Nate's familiar with the song, so I don't know if you want to mention anything, but uh, you obviously know the song because you picked it earlier. Yeah. I feel like I've talked about it. I'm good. Yeah. Sounds good. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please uh, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. That way you don't miss out on uh, our top 10 albums of 2022. And uh, we'll try to keep that one a little shorter. But either way, these episodes do tend to go long because it's just so fun to talk and kind of try to wrap up a year um what a year it was what a year it was 
So thank you for listening. You can find us on socials, um, on Twitter and Instagram at LDLPod, and you can email us at listening at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and have a great day. Present fears are less than horrible imaginings.